Welcome to this edition of the Football General Manager Podcast. My name is Aaron Thomas, aka Native Seahawk, and uh, this is the really craziest part of the off season because <laughs> there's literally not a lot going on in the NFL and things to talk about. And so, a lot of the things I'm going to be reporting on today is a lot of just sort of I hate to use the word fodder, but it really, some of the stuff we're going to talk about doesn't quite matter, but we're going to get into some good stuff here too, as we'll also preview the NFC West and talk about those pesky 49ers and what they've got going on this year and my prediction for their record. Also, we're going to be talking just a little bit about how to win your seat next to me on the berm at training camp here coming up in the next few weeks. And so we'll be uh, talking a little bit about that here in just a little bit. But let's get into some some news around the NFL, and we'll start with our friend Liz Matthews, who continuously does great work. Thank you, Liz. And she's reported and posted out on SeahawksWire.USAToday.com that Rashad Penny could see more carries than Chris Carson in 2019. And you know, again, that's a lot of speculation there. Do you think that Chris Carson can stay healthy? You know, he does have a, a few years in the NFL and a couple of, you know, nagging injuries. The guy plays very bruising football. Can he sustain a full season? And I, I think he will. Again, you've heard me on this podcast uh, talk quite a bit about uh, Chris Carson and the idea that I think he's going to get over 1,400 yards rushing this year, which is pretty lofty, a lofty goal. And I think that the Seahawks will be running the ball quite a bit more this year than in in, in what we've done in the past, only because, again, you do have a, a great explosive tool or player in Russell Wilson who can throw the ball, but the system is designed specifically for the run. You got Mike Solari, who has definitely shored up that offensive line. You got the general manager himself, uh, you know, John Schneider doing what he could to make sure that they got bigger run blockers this year in Eopati. And overall, you look at what they drafted, and you got a couple of guys there that can fill in to uh, those holes in case one of the starters goes down and they're run blockers. So you'll take a look at what this season's going to look like. And I do think Rashad Penny is going to be featured this year more than he was last year as a rookie, but I think he's not going to get more carries than Chris Carson in 2019. And, you know, you still got guys behind them that are itching and raring, ready to go. Homer, you know, I've already talked about him. Is he going to be on the squad? You got McKissick and, you know, of course, uh, CJ Procise, which uh, I've already reported on this podcast that I don't think he's going to be on the squad at least not at the very beginning of the season. I think he's going to be a injury casualty going into the season and will definitely be on the pup. So again, we'll see how that goes along as we go forward. In other news around the Twittersville, field goals had a really good mock game or mock situation where they simulated the 2013 Seahawks versus the 2005 squad and it was interesting what they reported in 12 simulations that basically the 2013 team was the best team and uh, out of the two. And I have to agree with that. And again, I, I was a much younger Seahawk fan when the Matt Hasselbeck led 2005 squad went and played against Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. 
And, you know, of course, everybody, we talk about the, that, that game, that, that Super Bowl game as being one that was really just upsetting because of the officiating and some of the calls that they made. You know, we, we shake our head today. I'm sure a lot of you do. And, and then you take a look at the 2013 squad. And of course, uh, that was another really big, big squad that just, you know, was very, very hungry to win. They were young and brash. And, you know, the 2013 squad was actually recently named the best squad in the decade. And again, this is Liz Matthews again reporting out in uh, on SeahawksWire.USAToday.com that, again, they uh, this uh, writer uh, who is Tom Blair – uh, went look, took a look at all of the different teams in the 2010, uh, you know, through from 2010 until now, and Blair ranks the Seahawks as number one, and he he says, "quote Later iterations of the Seahawks would become more balanced as quarterback Russell Wilson came into his own in 2013, but in terms of era defining impact, it's hard to beat the title winning coronation of the Legion of Boom." It seemed silly for opposing offenses to even suit up against Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and company rolling high on you mad bro energy. And so he continues on. He says, though it looked like the ultimate clash between high-powered offense and suffocating defense, Super Bowl 48 quickly turned into a laugher with Seattle running a 30, running to a 36 to nothing lead against Denver and holding the Broncos steamroller offense to eight points total. Balance is great, but it's hard to imagine any team of any decade mustering much against the Seattle's defense. Thus, the 2013 Seahawks take the top spot. And again, you look at the 2005 squad and they were offensive driven. I mean, you got, you know, uh, Sean Alexander, you have Walter Jones. Uh, you have Hutch. You have all these guys that uh, did really well in the offense. And Matt Hasselbeck, that was his probably his greatest season as a pro. And you know, unfortunately, though, this is it, when you have a defense as suffocating as you did in Seattle in 2013. That's definitely going to take the cake. And yeah, and so it was interesting if you get a chance to take a look at that that uh, mock that simulation between those two squads i definitely would encourage you to do that it's a really cool sort of what if you know marshawn lynch was going up against that 2005 defense in seattle it was pretty good in other news field goals took a look at uh, ugo amadi and last week we talked about ugo and a few weeks ago i still i i forecasted Ugo making the squad you know he's a fourth round draft pick and if you get a chance to look at that videotape of you know his strengths uh, you know field goals is asking what position should Ugo play is he a free safety or a nickel cornerback or a strong safety I should say or nickel quarterback and so again I, I they make a really good point that he does play better in the nickel and the way that his hips move, the way that his uh, physical play on the line, uh, he's a really, really smart defensive player. He kind of picks up on angles really well. And so, yeah, I definitely see him competing for that nickel cornerback position. And, 
giving a few guys a run for their money is that as that Justin Coleman took off for greener pastures, they're still looking for their starting nickel cornerback. And so, uh, which is really great is that the fact that the rookies uh, come back to training camp on July 17th, which isn't that far away. So we'll get a really good chance to see, you know, how, how, how he makes impact, how he develops and uh, hopefully uh, will be at least a backup somewhere and, and provides depth. You know, he can play a safety position. He can play a corner position, which I think, you know, he's definitely, that's that's a Seahawk written all over him. If he can play multiple positions and do well, uh, mainly because of his athleticism, uh, the fact that he's very young, he's got tons of energy. So it'll be interesting to see where Ugo plays. But that was a really good write-up and, and uh, a video on Ugo. And thank you to Matty Brown for doing that. And in other news, Bobby Wagner, according to Liz Matthews, is ranked among NFL's nine most indispensable defensive players. And again, this is a really good write-up. And, uh, you know, when you take a look at defense and you take a look at uh, some of the bigger stars all around the NFL, you know, of course, the number one person that all of us sort of think about are, you know, guys like Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack. I mean, these guys are definitely top three players. And if you take a look at, uh, again, Touchdown Wire did a really good write-up, and Adam Sheen of NFL.com took a look at the nine most uh, indispensable players, and they've got uh, uh, Bobby Wagner at number five. You know, you can't talk about a an amazing uh, defensive player, you know, in the NFL without talking about Bobby Wagner. And, you know, you take a look at, uh, you know, what what this this write up is is talking about with Wagner is that other guys were talked about were good but while playing great was Bobby Wagner is the pulse of the Seahawks and that's so true you know the guy is extremely smart he knows how to play his position really well he's uh, identifies uh, some of the plays especially the run plays before the ball's even snapped and then he uses his uh, athleticism, his speed, and quickness to get to the ball carrier. And as I reported on this podcast about three or four weeks ago, uh, Pro Football Focus had him as the best inside linebacker last year, ranking uh, you know top one or two in, in all of Pro Football Focus's analyze and analysis. And in, in various, you know, coverage and, and, uh, being able to make tackles and, and, you know, the least amount of missed tackles. And so all this is important, of course, because we still don't have an extension for Bobby Wagner. Is he going to be a Seahawk in the future? And of course he's going to be. I mean, I, I like listening to the chatter on the radio and we hear the 710 guys talking about, you know, when is this going to happen and is it going to happen? And of course it's going to happen. Um, you know, I was watching the movie Rounders. I'm sure you guys have, have seen that movie with Matt Damon. And at the very end, Matt Damon, literally the, his character, Mike, goes and sees his professor uh, to try to get $10,000 or to get some money to go up against the, the big Russian guy and grandma. And, you know, he bets all of his, including his life, on himself. He represents himself. He goes and plays and is able to win at the very end and basically save his life and save his friend's life. And, you know, played by Ed, Edward Norton, uh, Norton Jr. And so I was thinking about Bobby Wagner. 
You know, it's the same thing as Mike on Rounders. He is betting on himself. He is his own agent. He's going and you know to play going up against John Schneider. Uh, I'm not saying he's the the villain in this, but you know, you talk about someone that's really just has the the knowledge about what he can do and what value he brings to the team. It's Bobby Wagner. And, you know, yeah, people say, why is he even doing this? Why is he being his own agent? And you think about it, of course. I mean, if, if you know that, the, 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 you know, you've got math in front of you, you can see what other players' values are, and you look at yourself and say, I'm better than that guy. I'm going to get at least that much money. Um, and now we're just talking about, you know, guarantees. We're talking about length of contract and, you know, average per year. And so if you're, if you're Bobby Wagner, you're able to be able to do that and bet on yourself. And I've got a lot of confidence that between him and John Schneider, they're going to make a really good deal for both sides. And, you know, whether, uh, you know, I'm sure if you're Bobby Wagner, you want more guaranteed money. I think that's probably number one. You'd give up an average annual salary to get more guaranteed money now. Uh, because any given play, especially the way that he plays, could be the last one he ever does. You know, you take a look at his brothers, Cam Chancellor and Cliff Averill, who are no longer in the in the uh, in the NFL. Those guys still had two or three, four years left on their bodies if they didn't, you know, hurt their necks. And that could definitely happen with Bobby Wagner. So I think if you're him, you're wanting that guaranteed money now. You want the majority of it, you know, 51% of the contract now and guaranteed. And then, of course, if you're him, I think second is length of contract. You don't want to be an Earl Thomas and having to figure out what's going to happen on your next contract. You want to be able to say, okay, I'm going to play in this league for another five years. Then if I can get four years, you know, of that, then I'll be happy. And I think that's kind of what Bobby's looking at. He wants some security. He wants to be able to, um, you know, uh, go into each season and, and be able to uh, prepare for it and know that he's on the squad. So I think he'd give up the annual average in, you know, eight, you know not the $18 million that uh, C.J. Mosley got, but maybe 17 or 16.5 a year. But, you know, at four years and majority of that guaranteed. Uh, 51% of it guarantee is what I'm thinking he's going to do. But again, I'm not, I'm not his agent. He's his own agent. And I'm really proud of him. I think uh, Bobby Wagner is, is definitely going to be somebody that uh, will be in this league for a long time, even if he's not wearing the helmet. All right. Another, another news, Liz Matthews again, gosh, thanks Liz. You're just giving me all kinds of good stuff this week. Uh, she was reporting about the Seahawks 2019 schedule is the toughest in the NFC West. And, of course, they're taking a look at all kinds of different variables as to what makes a, a schedule tough. And, you know, a lot of it is because of the travel uh, schedule that they, they have one of the top three or four uh, miles that they have to travel this year. And a few uh, 10 a.m. games or 10 a.m. Pacific time games that they're playing. And then there's a span between November 3rd and through December 21st, which the Seahawks will play only one game at CenturyLink Field. And so, you know, I was taking a look at uh, last year at this time and some of the writing. Again, we're all trying to scramble looking for some good stuff to talk about and write about. And they were talking last year about this time about the toughest schedules going into 2018 uh, schedule. And so, and the, the, the three toughest 
schedules uh, and for the teams were the Buccaneers, the Ravens, and the Saints. Well, the Buccaneers are the Buccaneers. I don't care what kind of schedule they had going into last season. They just weren't that good. And so, of course, they only mustered up five wins. But then you take a look at the Ravens and the Saints, and both of those squads got 10 wins or more, with the Saints winning 13 last year, even though they had, quote-unquote, one of the toughest schedules in the, the going into the season. So I don't put a whole lot of weight on these kind of an analyst, you know, analysis, just because, again, it, anything can change. You have no idea how things happen from week to week. A uh, quarterback goes down and that makes uh, the other team that's coming in to play them, uh, makes that uh, game a lot easier to play. Of course, the things that are not uh, changeable are like the miles and getting in an airplane and having to travel, you know, to the East Coast or they have to come out to the West Coast, whatever. That stuff doesn't change. But, you know, if you take a look at the squads themselves, the rosters um, and injuries play a humongous role in every uh, from week to week. Um, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen and, and who has the toughest schedule, et cetera. Uh, but I think, you know, if you also take a look at the matchups and it's especially within the division, um, I think there is some weight to be said that the Seahawks probably sense the, the fact that um, the Rams and, and others came into this. Uh, well, well, the, the Seahawks came into the NFC West um, ever since that happened. You could make an argument um, probably since 2011 or 12, I should say, that it's been a tough go for them. Uh, remember when the NFC West was the NFC worst? Um, and now you take a look at that, that uh, actual division, and it's really, really difficult to begin with. And they all play each other really, really hard. And, you know, how many ties have we had uh, in that division over the last four or five years? And so I think just if you look at the division itself, the Seahawks uh, perennially will be um, having some of the toughest um you know, toughest schedules. All right, as we preview the NFC West, last week we had the Los Angeles Rams and them winning 10 games, but the Seahawks winning 11 and taking the NFC West. Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers, who, of course, for the last few years have really just been not very good, and their record has proven that over the last three or four years. This year is no different. Under general manager John Lynch, the San Francisco 49ers have roughly $31 million in cap space, which is probably one of the top amounts of money available. And you look at their top five most expensive players on the team. Of course, it starts with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's counting about $19.3 million on the cap, followed by uh, guard, excuse me, uh, offensive lineman Joe Staley. At $14.7 million, D. Ford is scheduled to make $14.6 million, and Quan Alexander is $11.5 million on the cap, and then Richard Sherman at nine point eight. And so you've got four guys that are in, making uh, $10 million or more. And so let's take a look at their depth chart. And, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo is the – the starter there uh, with Nick Mullins, who surprised a lot of folks last year. Nick actually did a really good job against Seattle 
and uh, is actually a really good reserve quarterback for the 49ers. And that's the one thing you're going to hear me say about the 49ers. They've got some pretty good depth. I'm not saying great depth, but good depth on their team. I'm really questioning the starters as a lot of these guys are pretty much a lot alike. Uh, You look at the running back situation, Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman as the one and two punch there. I can really just kind of see that none of those those two are real bruisers. Uh, They're really straight line runners. And uh, Matt Breda is the third string running back there. Uh, Wide receivers, Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis are your starting wide receivers in San Francisco. George Kittle, of course, tight end, has really done a good job in San Francisco, earning himself a Pro Bowl bid last year. Uh, Fullback Kyle uh, Jusic is there, and he's done pretty serviceable there. I don't really see him being uh, that big of a factor this year. Uh, On the offensive line, they've got Joe Staley, again, talked about him as their left tackle, Lacken Tomlinson, and Weston Richburg, Mike Person, and Mike McGlinchey are the starting line offensive linemen there. And so you take a look at their line, uh, they don't have – uh, a lot of stars on their offensive line. Joe Staley, of course, is a perennial all-star, at least is in consideration. Uh, he is getting kind of long in the tooth, and a couple of the other guys have been in the league for less than three years. So their offensive line is, I would say, up and coming, and they've done a good job over the years of trying to draft and getting some of, free, of these guys in free agency. And so you take a look on the defensive side. Of course, they did draft Nick Bosa, who I'm really, really uh, excited to see as their left defensive end. And then you got DJ Jones and DeForest Buckner as their defensive tackles and D Ford on the other side of Nick Bosa. And so they've got some pretty good depth there. They got Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas as their depth on their defensive line, which I think is probably going to be the Niners uh, sort of highlight of their of the squads of the the big parts of their team that I'm going to be excited to look at uh, this year is their defensive line so I believe Nick Bosa and D Ford both can get to the quarterback I think their quarterback pressures are going to be pretty high this year I don't know if they're going to get to the quarterback to sack him I don't think they're you know together they may may get up to 20 uh, together uh, sacks but we'll see their linebacking core is Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, and Malcolm Smith. Of course, Malcolm Smith is a former Seahawk. Quan uh, Alexander is one of their top guys. Again, he's making uh, more than $10 million on the cap, 11.5. So they've got a pretty okay linebacking core. I'm not too sure too much about Fred Warner, uh, how he's going to do this year. Their depth doesn't look that great in their linebacking core. Now let's talk about their defensive backs, starting with the strong safety, Jacuzzi Tart and Jimmy Ward as their strong safety and free safety, respectively. Then their cornerbacks, of course, are uh, Akilah Witherspoon on the right side and Richard Sherman on the left. 
I'm looking at their depth right now. And again, kind of a lot of no-namers on there and nobody that I can say with a reasonable amount of, uh, of confidence that they're going to do and, and push the starters there in San Francisco. Special teams, they've got Robbie Gould as their place kicker. And again, there's some question marks with Robbie because he doesn't want to play in San Francisco. And which is interesting, this late in the season, you would think they would have got that figured out. Um, but unfortunately, Robbie Gould is scheduled to make $4.9 million this year and is in his last year of his contract. Wants to play somewhere near Chicago where he's from. Uh, and I don't see that happening uh, anytime soon. Uh, Mish, uh, Mitch Wisnowski is their punter. And their uh, punt returner is Richie James, and as well as their kick return. So let's take a look at their schedule. Why I don't think they're going to do well this year is plain and simple. Their their strength of schedule is really tough this year when you're talking about a perennial top five uh, team and drafting in 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 every year. Uh, you know they always uh, seem to have the the least amount of wins, and they did that last year. This year, uh, they've got uh, away games. Four of their first six games are away from uh, there in San Francisco area. You've got the Bucks in Tampa Bay. You've got Cincinnati in Cincinnati. They come home to play the Steelers. They then uh, stay home back-to-back weeks and play the Browns. And then that's on a Sunday night game. Then they go to Los Angeles they go to the D.C. area and play the Redskins. Then they uh, come home and play the Panthers. They go to Arizona. They stay home for a few games, finally. They get three back-to-back-back games in Seattle. They, Seattle comes to San Francisco. Arizona comes to San Francisco. And Green Bay comes to San Francisco. But then they go on the road to Baltimore, to New Orleans, back home to it for, for Atlanta coming back to San Francisco and then the Rams in San Francisco and then they go to Seattle to end the season and so I've got them winning three games this year I, I have a, a, a no real strong confidence in this team uh, Jimmy Garoppolo of course you're only as good as your starting quarterback and Garoppolo really is just isn't a top 10 quarterback or not even a top 20 quarterback. Uh, He can't seem to stay healthy. I think that's one of the big reasons. Their running uh, backs aren't that great, uh, and their line is okay. And again, their defensive line is going to be the strength this year going into the season. So uh, we'll see how it goes this year in San Francisco. Again, they only won four games last year. I got them winning three, so they're going to regress, mainly because the schedule is so tough. You know, playing against the likes of the AFC Central, which I think is going to be a strong division this year, and then having to play uh, teams like Baltimore and New Orleans. You know, these are not gimme games, especially both of those games for the Niners are away in Baltimore, in New Orleans, and I don't see them winning there. And then within the schedule, uh, within the division, uh, you know, they're just not as good as Arizona. And that's really kind of the the litmus test. Even though I got them beating Arizona uh, once out of the two games, 
uh, they're not going. Then that would be the only chance of them getting back to four or five wins, is if they can beat Arizona and then somehow, you know, beat the Rams. Which again, I got them the Rams winning ten games this season. But uh, we'll see. That's why they play the games. And next week will be our final week on the NFC West as we preview it. And uh, we'll talk about those Cardinals and how they're going to do this this year in Arizona. All right, we're going to get into how you can sit by me uh, on the berm and watch your beloved Seahawks play and practice for training camp, which I think is one of the most, my, one of my most favorite parts of the entire season is training camp. I get to meet so many of other fans that uh, have been Seahawks fans for 40 years and 30 years and some of them that are just brand new. Maybe they had a different team last year and they just want to give Seattle a shot. And, of course, you get to take a look at what's happening and who uh, are some of the guys that you go, man, that that guy looks really good. And I did that with so many players that are now, uh, you know, either been pro bowlers or or even uh, guys that have been the highest paid in the league, including Russell Wilson. I was one of the, the very few people that were tweeting that out, that, man, number three looks really good out there. And, be you know, keep an eye out for him. Uh, he's going to give Matt Flynn a, a run for his money. I remember tweeting that out and people looking at me like, oh, okay, whatever, dude. You know, Matt Flynn's going to, you know, win and win that job. And, you know, he was back up to Aaron Rodgers. How do you, you know, how does this rookie even, who is Russell Wilson? <laughs> so here's how you do it. I want you to go ahead and there's two ways. You can either go to the football pod, uh, the football general manager podcast on Facebook um, and, and, and write this and, and put this on the wall there. Or you can email me at a, a Gmail account. It's powcom, P-O-W-W-C-O-M as in Mary, at gmail.com. And uh, take a look at and the question that I'm asking, and I'm going to be a, you know basically doing a drawing. I'll put you guys all in a drawing, whoever uh, is able to uh, post or email me. And then I'll do it, and I'll do it right here on the podcast. Who's going to win? And basically, the question I'm asking is: When you, what is your go-to when you, you know, head to McDonald's and you look at their menu? What is your go-to meal? Uh, Is it the Big Mac? Is it a cheeseburger? Is it a a ice cream cone? Um, What is your go-to menu item that you, when you go to McDonald's? Everybody's been to McDonald's. That's why I'm using this question. Um, and if you haven't been to McDonald's, you got a chance to go there now and get, take a look at what they have on their menu. And I'm not doing this for McDonald's or even getting any kind of sponsorship for them, but I'm trying to figure out a really cool way to not only uh, award a lucky listener, but uh, to also get some interaction from you guys and to make this a little bit of fun. And maybe we'll go to McDonald's uh, after training camp. But uh, so basically, what what is your go to? You know, um, I for me, I, I've got all kinds of go-tos and all you have to do is choose one you don't have to choose uh, several of them you just let me let me know what your thoughts are and again go to my facebook page it's the football general manager podcast or the general manager podcast um you can you can go there and just put it right there on my wall uh or you can email me at powcom p-o-w-w-c-o-m at uh, uh at gmail.com and let me know all right, that'll do it here for the Football General Manager Podcast. I thank you so much for listening. I will be back again next Sunday as we wrap up the NFC West 
we took a look at the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks. Now we'll take a look at the uh, beloved Arizona Cardinals as we wrap up this uh, great, great preview. And then following that, we'll most likely get into uh, the entire NFC and what that looks like for the Seahawks and uh, who are their greatest challengers going into the season and who I think uh, will be playing in the playoffs and, and more. So once again, thank you so much. We'll see you next Sunday. Go Hawks!